When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Between recording the next episode of my podcast, running a business, and all of the things life throws my way, sometimes it's good to just get away. Hola, que tal? It's Chiquis here. And let me tell you, I love booking a trip where I can escape. There's nothing like spending a few days at the beach, relaxing and spending time with family. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter your reasons, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Locatora Radio is a radiophonic novella which is just a very extra way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. I'm Dios FM. And I am Mala Muñoz. Locatora Radio is your prima's favorite podcast hosted by us, Mala and Diosa. We're two IG friends turned podcast partners, breaking down pop culture, feminism, sexual wellness, and offering fresh takes on trending topics through nuanced interviews with up-and-coming Latinx creatives. Known as Las Locatoras, Las Mamis of Myth and Bullshit, and Las Porcasteras Peligrosas, we were podcasting independently since 2016, but joined iHeartMedia's My Cultura Network in 2022. This year, we're continuing to share stories from the Latinx community pa todo el mundo. Welcome to Season 8. Are, Are you, you listening? listening? Hola, hola, locamores. Welcome to Season 8 of Locatora Radio. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. You're tuning into Capitulo 180-180. Last time on Locatora Radio, we interviewed Jean Guerrero, columnist at the LA Times. We talked to Jean about misinformation, the algorithm, and empathy. Make sure you tune into that episode, subscribe to Locatora Radio, leave a review, and share with a friend. That was one of my favorite episodes, so I'm really glad we were able to get Jean on and today we're continuing our conversation about Israel and Palestine. So we, um, of course, want to do a good job in covering this topic. And we did some research and reached out to our journalist friends and reached out to Palestinian activists and journalists and podcasters to see if anybody was available to come on the episode, to come on the podcast today to talk about Israel-Palestine. But of course, it is a very difficult time and folks are simply not available. Um, this is also for some people not an issue that everybody can talk about publicly, especially uh, for Palestinians. There is still censorship and backlash and people are also booked and dealing with their own crisis in the midst of all of this. So we weren't able to get a, a guest in person on the podcast today, but we're going to instead be sharing some other information, history, and resources. 
Yeah, I think me personally, it feels weird and uncomfortable to be like back to our regular programming amidst all of this. And so even though we couldn't get a guest today, we still wanted to take the time to talk to y'all and do the best that we can and talk about Palestinian and Latin American solidarity and its history and just some folks that we think that you should be following through throughout all of this. And just on, on the, the local level, on Saturday, October 28th, here in downtown L.A., thousands of people marched through the streets of downtown Los Angeles in a show of support for the people of Palestine. Protesters chanted demanding a, a ceasefire from Israel against the people of Palestine. Folks marched to Pershing Square. And I happened to be downtown on Fifth Street when the protests passed by, and I, I was able to t- capture some footage, and we posted a video of that footage on our Locatora Radio Instagram reels. And that video this week has started to get some traction and is seeing a lot of comments that like span a wide variety of opinions and stances, but it's reaching that point where, you know, like the the real is reaching random men that are not part of our audience at all. And with that comes a lot of strange and volatile comments. Um, So we're going to go ahead and turn off the comments on that reel. If you guys remember the last time we had a super viral reel, it was Diosa's No Sabo clip. Yeah, and we've never had to turn the comments off before on anything. And even like the Nosabo video, you know, there was conversation happening. There was some instances where it got wild, but we also didn't put that clip up. We didn't turn off the comments. We were just like letting it roll and all of that. But now I think the first week it was like our listeners, Mm -hmm. our digital community, commenting, showing support, very much being in solidarity with Palestine. And then, like you said, it reached that point of the internet where it's not our listeners anymore. It's just random people online. And so there were some pretty violent comments in there. And I told Mala today, like, I think that we should turn the comments off because we're not, this is not for us to necessarily uh, facilitate like a conversation in the comments because it's, it's, Beyond that. It's not possible. It's not possible. No. These are random strangers that are never going to go and listen to the podcast. They're not going to listen to our coverage. And so I think that it's okay to turn the comments off. We've never had to do that before. But I think for the sake of, I see some of our listeners in there commenting and fighting. And I'm like, I don't, I appreciate you. But like, I don't want you to go through that right now. No. And especially with the language being used, you know, it's like uh, people calling for acts of violence and the type of language is like things get flagged on the Internet when you type and hit send, you know. And so I I agree. We're going to go ahead and turn off the comments um, because we just don't want that on our page. And and that's not the the point of the clip was to demonstrate like Los Angeles is in solidarity um, with the people of Palestine. And if you wish to to be part of the conversation you want to go ahead and listen to our last episode with gene um and maybe check out some of the resources that we're going to talk about on today's episode yeah so let's get started with that let's get started so when i was in school um and i was studying history at the university college london i was in their history department and we read 
um, a lot from an author named Edward Said, who is considered one of the founders of post-colonial studies and decolonial thought. And so when we talk and we use the word decolonial and decolonize a lot and have for like the the past many years. And a, a lot of our little community online is, you know, into decolonial this, that and the third. And so that even that word and that school of thought comes from a specific group of scholars and Edward Said being one of them. Um, A little background on him. He was born in 1935 in Jerusalem, raised in Jerusalem and Cairo and educated in the United States where he attended Princeton and Harvard. In 1963, Edward Said began teaching at Columbia University where he was university professor of English and comparative literature. He passed in 2003 in New York City. And he is the author of 22 books, which have been translated into 35 languages. Um, Most famous of his works is probably the text Orientalism. He also wrote The Question of Palestine, Covering Islam, The World, The Text, The Critic, Culture, Culture and Imperialism, Peace and Its Discontents, Essays on Palestine, and the Middle East Peace Process, and Out of Place, a Memoir. And beside his academic work, he also was a columnist, um, and he was a regular contributor to newspapers in Europe, Asia, and the Middle East, and he was also a music critic for The Nation. And what's interesting, and I think what also will help ground this episode, um, Edward Said was very much influenced by the writings of Martinique-born psychiatrist and Algerian revolutionary Franz Fanon, Um, Of course, Franz Fanon writing writing in the Caribbean about the transatlantic slave trade. And um, so Said really connecting with the Americas and the colonial period and how that also shapes and contributes to the world, to the economy and to the way that we see places like the Middle East. Yeah, I wanted to, going back to Franz Fanon, I wanted to, well, I think one of the foundational texts for any like decolonial thinker, scholar, or just someone interested in this, in reading more, is like The Wretched of the Earth mm-hmm. and Black Skin, White Masks. I know those were foundational texts I read during my undergrad as well. Yes, and if you, um, in our history classes, we we read Fanon, we read Said, um, Uh, We read Césaire and all of these folks basically talking about the way colonization laid a foundation for Europe to launch right itself into its industrial revolution and how the labor and the riches of, you know, colonized places, Africa, Asia and the Americas allowed Europe to become the global superpower that it ended up becoming, right? And so I think for us, because we're going to be talking about Latin American solidarity, um, there is also this intellectual linkage between like a Middle East scholar like Said and Caribbean scholars in the Americas like Franz Fanon. He was also very much involved in like the Free Palestine movement. I mean, he was definitely vocal about the way that colonization and the Western world view what was what used to be called the Orient, but he includes the Middle East and Palestine in that conversation. So go ahead and check out. Uh, there's a lot of essays on Said, and his texts are available everywhere. Um, this, these um, bios that I read to you today were from Cambridge University Press, 
um, as well as Penguin Random House, where you can find his books. I love that. I love a good scholarly text to read. I think those are the types of books you want to read with a friend, with a group, um, because there's a lot to dissect and a lot Mm -hmm. to think about. So I think having the more you can do it in conversation with others, like the more you can really grasp some of the theory because it's not always digestible. Yes. Um, And I wanted to also plug a book written by my one of my mentors and former journalist instructor, Sandy Tolan. He wrote The Lemon Tree, and he has been covering Palestine, Israel for a very long time. He is approaching it from the angle of the 50th anniversary of the first Arab-Israeli war, and so I definitely recommend that one. He's a trusted source in journalism and in in this field of study. And so, yes, check out this book, The Lemon Tree. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door! Winning! No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations. Como la playa que viste en ese show, or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Absolutely. There's also some journalists. You want to share the journalists um, that folks can follow? If you've been following, you've probably seen these journalists go viral. They have been documenting the daily happenings in Gaza. Iriara is a Gaza-born and raised journalist. She's currently based in London. Yesterday was the first time in my whole life that I didn't say goodnight to my mother or hear if she's alive or not. I haven't heard from anyone in Gaza for almost 24 hours. My family, my friends, journalists on the ground, no one. My mom for the last has had the immense struggle of having to share what her family is going through while being separated from them. And so she has been going 
live. She has been sharing text daily. And so I definitely recommend you follow her. The second one is Bisan. She is a journalist and filmmaker who's currently on the ground in northern Gaza. Hey everyone, this is Bisan from Gaza and we're still alive. We've officially in the 26 days of the war in Gaza, people are suffering. The bombing is uh, um, targeting crowded places in Jabalia, in refugee camps, in places that, that are the most places, the most crowded places in, in, in the world. Um, so the, the area of Gaza Strip is about 360. And so she has also been documenting what Palestinians are going through in, the, in northern Gaza. Another resource to check out is the Palestinian Youth Movement. They have a website, they're on Instagram. They describe themselves as a transnational independent grassroots movement of young Palestinians dedicated to the liberation of our homeland and people. So um, this is by no means an exhaustive list. Um, these are just some folks to check out. And um, you know, there's a lot more to learn. Um, things continue to unfold. I know that we're approving money. The United States is approving money to send to Israel um, to further support like the Israeli military. And this is one of the reasons why in our last episode, you know, we did talk about calling your representatives in office, your senators, and as a constituent demanding that they call for a ceasefire and not do things like vote to, to send more funding. As of Thursday, November 2nd, the House approved a nearly $14.5 billion military aid package for Israel, a muscular U.S. response to the war with Hamas, but also a partisan approach by new speaker Mike Johnson. So as always, there's a lot at play here, and this is reported by AP News. And I think that it can feel, I think if you're born and raised in the U.S., you it can feel like you don't know what war feels like, right? And so... But so much as history has proven is that there's always U.S. intervention when war is involved. And so it can feel like this has nothing to do with me because you're not living it. Maybe you're not seeing it. But this is where our tax dollars are going. And our same government is telling us there's not enough money for Medicare for all. There's not enough money for universal income, for student loan relief, for um really anything that's going to give us a better quality of life if you're working class if you're low income if you even if you're in the middle class like and then we see something like this mm -hmm. money being spent for civilians to be murdered for a genocide and so it can feel like really overwhelming and so one of the things we can do like mala mentioned and like we said last week in our episode is call your representative Absolutely. One hundred percent. You know, the uh, American military budgets and budgeting and the American military and Border Patrol are sort of this global presence. I mean, the U.S. military does not just exist in the U.S. It's all over the world. And the Border Patrol also has a hand in a lot of different places and countries. Um, and wherever you see border conflicts and human rights abuses at borders, it's very likely that the U.S. Border Patrol has been there and trained and provided funding and weaponry. And that is also the case with Israel-Palestine. If you, if you are anti-abuses against migrants here in the U.S. and you're all about open the borders here in the U.S. and you're anti-border patrol here in the U.S., that needs to sort of carry over into the, the Middle East and how this conflict is playing out over there as well. 
Yeah, and I think that's a good segue into some of the Latin American solidarity that we've been seeing while the U.S. government has been staunchly uh, in support of Israel. We have seen Latin American presidents or presidents from across Latin America um, show their support for Palestine. For example, Honduras, Chile, and Colombia recalled their ambassadors from Israel. And last week, Bolivia broke ties, uh, broke diplomatic ties with Israel. And I think it also goes to show like it's not just the governments that are taking stances, but also because their people want their governments to take a certain stance. Um, it's not just the government making decision, but it's also like El Pueblo Unido, like protesting and showing solidarity with Palestinians. In Latin America, there is more in common with the Arab world than like, oh, you know, like Arabic holdovers in Spanish. Like we talk about how Spanish has a lot of similarities to Arabic. Um, we can talk about like food like al pastor, you know what I mean? But but there's more than the the influences on the language. And in the food, there's a greater history there. And Diosa pulled up some really interesting history, even um, coming from Puerto Rico. Yeah, so I want to shout out um, the folks over at R29, Refinery29 Somos. They have been doing excellent coverage about this, whereas other mainstream, maybe more funded Latino, U.S. Latino media has not been covering things in the same way. Uh, one of our friends, Angelica Becerra, kind of called this out the other day, like, where's Latino media in all of this? You know, where where are we? And where's our stance and where's our support with, with Palestine? And so I really wanted to shout them out because they're doing such good work over there. And so they created first this, they have this series called Tough Translations, How to Talk About. And so in the last week, they posted one about ethnic cleansing. And they have this great translation guide in English, Spanish, and Portuguese, where if you're having these conversations with your families, you know, maybe you know the language in English, but you don't know how to talk about this in Spanish or perhaps Portuguese. And so they have these different conversation starters. And so I wanted to, to plug that in case you're wanting to have this conversation with your family, one of the ones conversation starter number number one is how to explain when a group of people are experiencing ethnic cleansing. The second one is how to explain how ethnic cleansing is linked to genocide. And so I encourage all of you to read this. We will link it in our newsletter as well. In addition to the ethnic cleansing, how to have this conversation with your family, they also shared this post from the New York Puerto Rican Day Parade in 2001, and it's a photo of a banner that says U.S. bombs tested in Vieques dropped on Palestine. And so they cite this history from the 1940s until 2003. The U.S. military used Vieques, a Puerto Rican island eight miles away from the mainland, to train for war using the inhabited land to test bombs, including chemical warfare weapons like napalm and depleted uranium. Even after massive protests forced the U.S. government to stop testing in Vieques, the people and land still struggle with the health consequences. Simultaneously, the U.S. had aided Israel's military with billions of dollars and munitions for several decades, which have been used in the occupation, forced removal, and mass killings of Palestinians for generations. With a shared, though distinct, experience of colonialism, Puerto Ricans and Palestinians have long supported and felt connected in each other's struggles for freedom. 
So there, in the in the past days, there have been uh, different Puerto Rican journalists, scholars writing about the link between Puerto Rico and Palestine. Yes, and uh, it's it, I mean it's so telling, right? To for the U.S. government to drop bombs uh, to test bombs on one colony to then use them IRL against the people in a different colonized place. And I think this is also why it's important for us to have this conversation because we know our audience is, for the most part, somewhere in the United States, our audience is, for the most part, of Latinx, Latine, Latino, Latina descent. And we know that our audience is pretty grounded in the colonial history of Latin America. But are we making those connections between our own colonial history in Latin America and the colonial history that we're seeing continue to unfold and play out in front of us in the Middle East, in Palestine? And I think, you know, one good example is, you know, Chile has the largest Palestinian diaspora outside of the Middle East. And the first Palestinian migrants arrived in Chile in the late 1800s. And so this past couple of weeks, there have been, of course, like huge numbers of solidarity protests in Chile. And there's this really great article by NACLA called Somos Sur, Mapuche and Palestinian Chileans Stand in Solidarity with Gaza. And there was a concert actually organized um, to raise funds. And our past guest, Anna Tiju, was one of the people performing. And she's long been advocating for Palestinian freedom and so I think that that's just another example of how Latin Americans have this long tradition of Latin American people, right, outside of the government. Latin American people, um, particularly working class people, have been in solidarity with anyone that's like subjugated to, to violence, to any type of racism, classism, um, they're they're able to make these connections in ways that it, it might take us a little longer to catch up, but we can we can still do it now. When something happens to your car, you might say, "No, my car." But what you really need to say is something that can actually help, like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times, on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations. Como la playa que viste en ese show, or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And I think, um, so I reached out to a friend of mine um, about how to cover this issue, right? And something that she said is something I've been hearing from Latina organizers is the need to counter Christian Zionism in their communities. So I think with us in particular, you might have Latinos who are like, okay, we get it. Like colonization is bad. Like decolonizing the Americas, like that's fabulous. That's where our focus has been. But then at the same time, that same person might have, even without necessarily realizing it, because we don't examine this within ourselves necessarily, but that person might be decolonial when it comes to our own territories and people here in the U.S., but because of a religious upbringing, a religious Latino upbringing may actually be centering like Christianity and Christian Zionism, and that could really be influencing the way one feels and talks about Israel-Palestine and that kind of protective factor over Israel that a lot of people tend to feel um, because of that like Christian connection. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to family and friends, this is not an issue that is going to resolve itself anytime soon. And it is an issue that has been going on now for many decades. So I think like when it comes to that kind of culture shift, it's like little by little and continuing to learn and to share um, not just now, but kind of like making this part of your your framework, you know, like as you continue and you you think of yourself as an activist or you think of yourself as someone who is like pushing for decolonization or whatever, like include this, you know, in your global framework and your understanding of the world and how things work. Yeah, I, I love that because there's this. I saw this post and I, I wanted to bring it up today. And this account is um, the account is take dot back dot the internet and it's on Instagram. And it's this writer named Nima that runs it. And they shared this substack that they wrote and they posted about it. And it's titled The Internet Determines What is Remembered and Who is Forgotten. And I thought it was a really good way to think about us and how we feel, how sometimes we can feel like, but is the post going to, is it going to do anything? Is it going to help anyone? Right. And even if we feel that we can't change anything with a post, um, I do think that it has a way of, of, kind of planting a seed it's like once you see something you can't really unsee it and it stays in our collective thought in the same way 2020 has stayed in our collective thought the pandemic and everything that came afterwards like we may be trying to go back to some type of normal but we're not going to forget what we lived through via the pan during the pandemic and then also during the civil uprisings and so maybe the diversity initiatives they've been defunded maybe things have felt like eh, back to before 2020 but 
people remember and they still they still talk about it and they still feel and it's one of those things where it's a continuous unlearning and relearning of how we view the world and how we view ourselves especially as people in the US and how we position ourselves in solidarity and in movements during crisis I think about too like We've talked about this in the past, how I think the best way to make an impact in the world is with your immediate circle of influence and like who is like literally most accessible to you and most likely to listen to you. And it's the type of thing where if you're a teacher or if you're a mom or a dad um, or a coach and you have folks that like, you know, you have a, a, a position of influence in your family or in your in your community, in your school, in your office, wherever you are, um, it's the type of thing that you never know, like you you just said, you never know what you say or what you share and how that might create a domino effect and maybe lead someone else to like read more, you know, or look look in look further into the issue that that you're talking about. And I always think about like raising kids. And I think you know, there's always the possibility that your kid can go on to do like amazing, wonderful things for the world, but also your kid can go on to do terrible things, you know? And so if we try and like infuse like what Jean was talking about on the last episode, we infuse like our decolonial thinking, empathy, and we just make it part of, and this is a word we don't use as much anymore, but we make it part of our praxis. This is just how I think. I'm against funding for LAPD. I always will be. And I am against the genocide of the Palestinian people. And we, we can see how these things are related. And we want Puerto Rico to be free. You know, like, yes, this can just become part of how we carry ourselves through the world because these issues are not going to resolve tomorrow. This right. is ongoing. Do you want to raise like empathetic, socially aware like people? Or do you want to raise people who are going to go and work for Border Patrol? It does happen. Somebody that I know was saying that their brother was looking at a job for LAPD just because they were just looking. Looking for and jobs. And I was like, your your sibling cannot work for LAPD. Like, you know that. Like, one, they mm-hmm. they are a sweet, loving person. They, they cannot work for LAPD, right? Mm-hmm. And... I would advocate that for anybody that I care about. Like, no, like there are so many different options. There's so many different employers. Like, let's talk about it. Right. And I very much, you know, I have a brother and I think one of the only reasons he never looked into law enforcement is my dad very much raised us. There it was a continuous thing in the house. Mm-hmm. Part of his activism carried over to we don't we don't fuck with cops and don't talk to the cops and this is where cops come from. This is what cops do. And this is why we have cops. And so growing up, once it came time to like be adults and decide what we're doing with our lives, we have that in our minds. Right. And no one is touching that. Yes, I agree. It's like it's it's beyond an ideology. It's beyond saying something. It's how we move through the world and how we influence the people around us and how we really walk the talk in those ways, which I think we've been saying for the last seven years. Right. It's how we actually show up. And it doesn't. I think a lot of us maybe right now feel like, well, I don't want to be performative, but Palestinians are asking us like post Mm -hmm. and share Mm -hmm. like there's so much misinformation like People don't believe what we're going through. Like, please share. Mm-hmm. And so, like, do it. Like, the post may feel like you're shouting into the void, but this is also what people are asking of us. Yes. And it's important to remember, like, 
that the the folks who are being most victimized, right? That it's what they're asking for. Yes. Um, and not like what we think we should be doing, yes. right? And like Diosa was saying, like this is what the folks most affected are asking. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's how we should be taking our cues. Yeah. And I did want to add this mental health aspect of it because I saw this post by this licensed therapist. Um, her Instagram is your inner light therapy. And she's talking about Western mental health practices and how everything is like, you don't owe anybody anything. And how it's such an individualistic mindset Mm -hmm. at the center to say Mm -hmm. that when it comes to genocide. Like, Mm -hmm. well, my mental health can't handle it. Yes, like we should not be desensitized to seeing dead bodies, dead children, absolutely. Um, But what she's saying is we do owe each other. We owe each other dignity and humanity. We have a collective responsibility to stand against all injustice and oppression. Humanity depends on it. And so I did want to add that mental health piece to it where, yes, it can feel super overwhelming and you're thinking to protect my mental health, I can't see it. That's that's valid, but I think also it doesn't shouldn't stop us from acting, right? The uh-huh. the seeing things and consuming that's one angle of it, but from act from acting and go- doing action, like we have to continue doing it. I think the best way to figure out what those actions are, right, is like the who are the folks organizing and on the ground, like Palestinian Americans are organizing protests, like the one we described here in downtown LA, like. And I know a a bunch of folks have been showing up for those protests, people that we know, which is great to see. And I I kind of this reminds me of a couple years ago, there was a moment where people during Black Lives Matter protests, I feel like a lot of people were posting those individual black squares. Right. And then there were black activists who were like, who asked you to do that? Like, nobody asked you. You're crowding the feeds and the algorithm with nothingness as opposed to information or a call to action. Right. Or a direction to a resource. It's it's an it's a nothing. But a lot of people, that was their show of solidarity, but like the folks organizing the protests and black people in general were not asking for that particular display, you know? Right. So I think in in this particular situation with our audience, I would say like don't fight people in the comments. Yeah. I think that's the uncalled for, nobody asked for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that is going to be the last the least helpful action. Yeah. You know, we don't know who you're arguing with. They could be bots. They could be bots. It could literally be a bot that you're arguing with. Yeah, and some of the going back to the top of the conversation where we talked about some of the violent comments we were seeing, you know, I wasn't looking at their profiles intensely, but I was just seeing like, you know, no name accounts cartoon avatars as their photos like zero posts you know and so yeah those are not you're gonna have more of an impact with your abuelita you're gonna have more of an impact with your neighbor with your classmate than with an internet troll with your young cousin who's thinking of joining the military yep it's true like talk to those people talk to those people who probably love you yeah. and respect you and see you all the time. And they'll listen to you. Yeah. Yes. Those are the harder conversations to have, actually. They really are. They're much harder than arguing with, like, a rando account on Instagram. Yeah. You know, I have been ha- trying to have this conversation with my, with a relative of mine. And we're on, we have different views. And so it's one of these things where, like, our relationship is so important to me. I want to protect it. 
I don't want us to have a fallout because of our different viewpoints, mm -hmm. but it's also really important that we talk about this. And so it's something that I'm dealing with right now in my family. It's a struggle. And I think a lot of us are trying to figure out how to navigate it. But I say that because it's more important to have those conversations than with a random on the internet who already has their mind made up. And I think when going back to the previous episode of the Jean Guerrero, when she's talking about empathy and thinking about where these people that are have been radicalized where they're getting their information i don't think she's telling us to talk to a stranger she's telling us to talk to people in our lives 100 percent, 100 percent. and um i think that's been something that we've been consistent in our messaging over the years as well it's like you know we're not the only ones with family that like m might be considering law enforcement or military there's a lot of latinos who have law enforcement and military and veterans in the family. Like there's a lot, it's very common. And I think that oftentimes when we see people in our community doing a lot of infighting online and coming at each other in the comments, I think really what you're doing is it's like you're, you're avoiding the real conversation with your real family where you have to look people in the eye and state your case. And instead you're redirecting that energy in the comments um, with someone you probably have actually no connection with in person and no influence over and no relationship to. It's easier to pick fights online than like over the dinner table. Absolutely. Yes. I have had many an uncomfortable dinner. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, yeah. We both have. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we both have. But really something that I've never, I don't want to say never, because maybe I did in my early 20s and I don't really remember. But I think in the last couple of years, I have really have not had like any type of disagreement, argument with someone online. No. And the reason why I bring this up is, yeah, we were fighting on the Internet mm -hmm. years ago. Yes. And now we're on the other side of it. We, It's like, did it? I get it. I, I felt the feelings. I, I get it. I did it. And that's why I'm saying you can get beyond it. Yeah, it is. I think part of your rite of passage yes. when you're like this, like, energetic, enraged, young 20 person year old and you feel yeah. like you have your whole life ahead of you which you do we all do but you feel like i want to change the world and mm -hmm. we all do we still do but mm -hmm. i think you learn to channel it differently yes and i think during you know when we were covering the civil unrest during 2020 we did talk about like what our roles are in movements right like for us maybe it's not going to a march maybe it's not going maybe it's you can amplify you can share you can invite people but is that what you physically want to do is that what you actually what feels safe for you if it's not what are the other ways are you like organizing a little phone bank with your family and mm -hmm. you're calling your representative together like that's something my mom and I did I was like we're gonna spend 10 minutes and we're gonna do this together yeah and is it you know creating art is it creating a podcast episode about it? Like, what are our roles? They're not all the same. And we don't have to do what other people are doing. We can find our own little way totally. to help and be active. Totally. And you never know what issue might actually kind of spark your family's interest. I remember one time I was sitting watching the news with my mom and my grandma. And there was some incident in Orange County of, like, an off-duty police officer like pulling a gun on a group of kids and like grabbing one of the kids and rough housing and they were like brown and black kids and this was like a white off-duty officer and I remember vividly 
um, we were still on Twitter at the time. And so all this was folding, uh, unfolding on the news. And then on Twitter, there was this call like to call the police station where this officer worked in Orange County and say, we saw the video. We want this person fired. We want this person disciplined, whatever. And I remember my mom and my grandma having seen the children being affected in this way. Um, and they're not usually, they're not like staunchly anti-police, you know, right. I'm working on them, <laughs> but it's a process. But that, they saw the police brutality against these children with their backpacks on. And that was enough for them to to want to do something about it. And I told them, well, there's a phone number and people are calling the police station. And so we sat there and we called the police station and they wanted to leave messages. So, you know, you may think like, oh, my, my parents are my my family is not they're not activists or they're not on the side but you never know right like where that empathy comes in and what might move people to want to act and to speak i think that's a, this is a great place to wrap up thank you all for listening thank you all for listening to another episode of locatora radio we do we do want to have a guest you know to continue talking about this issue so if you know someone or you are someone email us at hola at locatoraradio.com and we can we can talk about a future episode. Thank you so much for tuning in week after week. We hope you liked this episode. We hope you learned something new. Let us know what you think. Besitos. Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, is executive produced and hosted by me, Mala Munoz, and Diosa Femme. Story editing by me, Diosa. Audio editing by Stephanie Franco. Thank you to our locamores, our listeners, for all of your support. Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes, y tienes 19 años o más, 52, 36, 42, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antinomocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar20. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Between recording the next episode of my podcast, running a business, and all of the things life throws my way, sometimes it's good to just get away. Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis here. And let me tell you, I love booking a trip where I can escape. There's nothing like spending a few days at the beach, relaxing and spending time with family. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter your reasons, 
The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know.